the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. Well, dear friends, it is Friday, and we got a great weekend ahead of us, and Lord willing, I'm going to be at the Granite Baptist Church in Glen Burnie, Maryland. That's there in the suburbs of Baltimore, and look forward to being with our friends at Granite, and trust that we'll have a great, great Sunday with them. If you live anywhere there in the Baltimore area, do come and see us morning and evening this coming Lord's Day. Now, let me just remind you, too, uh, this is a very important time for us here at the Sword of the Lord, September's anniversary month, and I've really not said a lot about it here on the air, but today we start the 90th year of the Sword of the Lord since Dr. John Rice founded the paper and the ministry in 1934. So we're grateful to the Lord for his blessing and looking forward to just having many, many more great years and looking forward to being able to minister to you right here through the means of radio. So let's get right to our study today. Yesterday we did part one of a message entitled, We Need a Revival, and we're going to do that second part right now. So here we go. We Need a Revival, part two. I think we need to be watching the plan of salvation real close. There are places all over Southern California where they had church yesterday. They didn't have much church. There's places all over Southern California that call themselves a church that hadn't nobody been saved in since they started. And the fact is, uh, salvation is the business of the church. And you and I need to be sure that we make clear the plan and the method of salvation. We need to preach salvation very, very simple and plain so that even the youngest, so that even the simplest person in the crowd will understand clearly that they're a sinner, that they need to be saved, and that by simple faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ they can be saved. The plan of salvation gets distorted, it gets diluted, it gets twisted, it gets bent all in a thousand different shapes. And by the way, it's not always some of these other crowds doing that. We got some guys in our crowd that are getting it all tangled up. And we need to watch very carefully the plan of salvation. You got folks teaching in junior church, I'd find out if they know how to teach salvation to juniors. Don't let them go down there and teach some other thing that's less or more, but they need to teach the gospel plain and simple, nothing less, nothing more. Watching all things. Watch salvation. We need to watch the program of the church. We don't need to be doing everything at the church house. Uh, We can leave a lot of stuff off. You say, but every other church in town is doing this, but we don't necessarily have to do it. We have one reason for existing, and that's to get the gospel out and get as many people saved as we can and build some kind of an oasis for helping those that get saved. And we just don't have much other reason for doing a lot of things. You say, well, it'd be nice if we had this, and be nice, it might be nice if we had some of that, but it might take away from what the main thing is, and you need to keep it the main thing all the time. So we watch the program. We need to watch the pulpit. Let me tell you something. If you've got a pastor who protects the pulpit, you ought to thank God for him. You say, but my uncle from out in Missouri 
is going to be blowing in to go to Disneyland, and he'd like to preach at our church while he's here. Don't you get mad at your preacher when he says no. You say, but he's my uncle. He's a good guy. But your preacher don't know that. You give your preacher time to get acquainted. You give him time to check it out. You give him time to get comfortable about it. And then maybe sometime by and by down the way, about 29 years from now, he may say yes. But don't you put pressure on him. Don't you fuss at the preacher and don't you get mad at him. You're as wicked as anybody else in town that's wicked if you do. You ought to thank God that your preacher protects the pulpit. And not just everything that calls himself a preacher or a missionary or an evangelist gets to preach at your place. Thank God that somebody protects it and the preacher's the guy who's supposed to do it. We need to watch the pulpit. We need to watch the platforms we sit on. Hmm. We need to watch the platforms we sit on. There's probably a ministerial alliance in your town. You don't need to belong to it. If you've joined it, go unjoin it. You don't need to be running with that cigar-smoking, beer-guzzling, foul-mouthed bunch of clergymen. Not that crowd. There's liberals in that crowd, never kind of another thing, and you don't need to be lined up with them. Don't sit on the platform with them. I, I, hey, I, I'm just telling you, I mean, it's my time. I'm telling you what I think. Watch the platform that you sit with. Watch, watch the partners you yoke up with. These promise keepers. They come blowing into every town in America. A lot of places, they're having their local meetings on Wednesday night. That don't sound too hot to me. They got a whole list of stuff that they won't talk about on their platform. And a lot of it comes right out of the Bible, like eternal security. Brother, if you're not going to talk about that, you don't want to talk to me. And if you don't want to talk about that, I don't want you preaching on my platform. And I'm just saying, we've got to watch the partners we yoke up with, and we need to watch the perverting of the Bible, too. The perverting of the Bible. Say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the NIV. You say, you think the HIV Bible is a perverted Bible? I think it is. I think it's a, I think it's a perverted Bible. Almost, almost every new edition of the Bible that's come out in recent years has come out for one of two reasons. It's either come out because somebody had a bias they wanted to perpetrate, some false doctrine they wanted to emphasize, or they're money-hungry and looking for some way to make a buck. Listen, you say, well, I don't think it matters whether the verse says blood or death. Well, the fact of the matter is that the Greek New Testament has a word for death and it has one for blood. And where it says hyma, it means blood, and where it says thanatos, it means death. And if you switch them around, you're just as wicked as that other crowd I said was wicked. You say, well, I still don't think it matters whether you say the blood of Christ or the death of Christ. i tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to fix you on this so you won't ever be bothered by it again. If I can get somebody to loan me a pocket knife in a minute, I'm going to give you a choice. 
The choice is, I'm going to cut you with that pocket knife. I'll either cut you till you bleed, or I'll cut you till you die. Which do you prefer? Does it make any difference which you say? Seems to me like it might. You got to watch the perverting of the Bible. You got a good Bible? You got the right Bible? You got a perfect Bible? Then don't bother with any other Bible. Simple as that. Somebody said, you serious about that? Yes, sir, I've been serious about it for 25 years. We didn't use anything else in our Christian school. We didn't use anything else in our Sunday school. We didn't use anything else in our pulpit. Just didn't do it. Didn't allow it to be done. What we had was that the only mention of any other version of the Bible would be just like what I've done tonight. If you put it in a negative context, context, then you could mention it, but otherwise keep your mouth shut about it. Watching all things. I think that means you watch your authority, you watch your agenda, you watch your association, you watch your attire, you watch your appearance, you watch your attitude. You want another list? Watch your doctrine, watch your devotion, watch your duty, watch your deportment. I mean, you can make all kinds of lists when it says watching all things. Man, that covers everything. Number two, we're talking about prospecting for revival. See, the problem is, we, we, want, we want these days to say, hey, I want to get up that pulpit and sing whatever I want to sing. I don't want that preacher telling me I can't get up there and sing what I want to sing. I'm amazed at how many musicians say, you know, you know, this is my music. Well, I didn't know you was into music that big. I didn't know you'd bought it and paid for it. I didn't know you owned it. So, oh, yes, my music. Well, listen, whenever, whenever you come to this platform to do music, it doesn't mean that you're the president of the corporation. You know? It doesn't mean that. No, no, you don't come up and run some sideshow just because somebody asks you to sing. Say, well, my goodness, the preacher's nothing but a tyrant. Well, bless God, we need one in the church. We need somebody who will say, no, sirree, we're going to keep it straight, keep it right. Watching all things. Number two, he says we're to endure afflictions. That means we're to wait. We endure afflictions. We're not talking about enduring comfort. No, no. Anybody can handle that. But he says endure afflictions. Now listen to me, brethren and sistren. <laughs> Some of you are doing fine. You're working hard and you're doing great and everything's going great, but then it goes sideways and sour and somebody gets on your case and next thing I know, you're going to be throwing up your hands and saying, listen, if that's the way it is, I'm just going to fold up my tent and go home. Somebody has fussed at me. Somebody's been critical of me. Somebody has just crawled all over my case and I can't stand that. Now, let me tell you something before that happens. If you cook, there's got to be some heat in the kitchen. You're not going to get much supper made if you don't create some heat. And whenever you start cooking for God, there's going to be some heat in the kitchen. And when it gets a little warm around the stove, you're to endure. Don't run. Don't flinch. Don't insomniate. 
just sit on it and stand on it and say, I'm not running, I'm not going anywhere, I'm going to stay and stick. You don't flee, you don't flinch, you don't faint. What do you do? You just wait, you endure affliction. You say, but they got the heat on. They scalding me. Well, bless God, there's been a few other folks scalded before you. Maybe a few after. Number three. We're talking about prospecting for revival. We're going to watch in all things. We're going to wait. Endure affliction. And number three, he says we're to do the work of an evangelist. That means when Sunday comes, we preach with souls in mind. That means when we build the program of the church, we build that program with souls in mind. That means that the pastor gets soul winning, number one, on his agenda. That means that the staff gets soul winning, number one, on their agenda. That means that a bunch of folks, deacons and others, get soul winning, number one, on their agenda. Soul winning is the thing. It's the main thing. Getting people saved is the main thing. When I went to Maryland in late 1978, an area that was predominantly Catholic and Lutheran and pagan. I had no idea what God would let us do. In the 17 years that followed, we saw literally thousands of people saved. Well, we'll have to interrupt right there. The message is winding down, and I trust it's been a help to you as you've listened yesterday and today to my message entitled, We Need a Revival. So thank you for being along today. I trust you'll have a great weekend, and uh, be sure to go to church on Sunday. And don't forget to sit down and write me a note. Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until Monday, God bless you. Have a good rest of this day and a great weekend, and goodbye for now.